0: A look at the Dolphins 2023 linebacker room with the players currently under contract and how that group stacks up against the Dolphins opponents scheduled for this upcoming season. You are Locked On Dolphins,
1: your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right. Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins. Your first Miami Dolphins listen to the day. Today is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. We're about a month, five weeks away from training camp. A couple weeks more away from Zach Thomas going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So exciting time to be a Dolphins fan, regardless of the lull here as we get closer to the end of June. And today on the show, we're continuing our series of stacking up the Dolphins position groups against their opponents scheduled for this upcoming season. Now, we did the secondary yesterday on the show to start the week. Today we're doing linebackers, so it's a little bit of a smaller group. You know, the secondary you're looking at probably five starters, including Nichols, plus primary backups at both outside corner and safety. So for a total of seven players in the snapshot, most teams don't roster seven stack off-ball linebackers. So this is a little bit more of a condensed group. The Dolphins uh, and their opponents we're looking at the top four stack linebackers under contract and what that DNA means for the Dolphins. Now, there's a lot of questions uh, about the Dolphins linebacker room and if they have enough depth and what Andrew Van Ginkle can bring to the table. And It always helps to look at the opponents across the rest of the league to better quantify and further quantify, and that's what we're going to do here today on the show. The uh, linebacker room is fascinating for me, Uh, not just because of the Dolphins room, right? The Dolphins room has... Uh, a top four of uh, David Long, Jerome Baker, Duke Riley, and Channing Tyndall. And if you want to include Andrew Van Kinkle in that group with him getting a little bit more of a versatile role, you could. But you have tenured players. You have new addition. You have kind of an unproven second-year player. You have a lot of athleticism. Uh, that's the stark contrast versus what this group has looked like in the past. But the linebacker room in general is uh, a group across the league that is not romanticized quite nearly as much as some of the other positions. It's generally perceived that stack off all linebackers are, um, I don't want to say a luxury, but they're not essential. And I can think of no better way than a couple of the opponents that we're going to cover in the course of of talking about the the groups that are a class below the Dolphins linebacker room to see what these other linebacker rooms look like across the NFL to to further quantify uh, that I think Miami probably has plenty. Uh, I think Miami has probably a troublesome lack of veteran depth. But I think Miami has plenty of horsepower in this capacity, especially with the trends in which the game is played now, where you see a lot of penny fronts. You see a lot of four, two, five nickel packages and penny fronts is one stack linebacker on the field at the same time. And penny fronts is something that you see a number of the Fangio disciples, uh, really gravitate towards, but not all of them. And Vic has historically himself been more of a traditional four, two, five nickel group as compared to a, say 5-1-5. Five, where the penny is the the one backer, is is the penny. I'll be interested to know, especially when you look at the depth of what the Dolphins have up front, when you get into sub, are you going to see Vic Fangio run more penny fronts this year than he has in years past? Because the Dolphins, while they they have probably a a one-two punch at linebacker that you feel really good about in David Long and Jerome Baker... Duke Riley has been a special teams passing down type player as a a depth player at linebacker. We have no clue what we have in Channing Tindall at this point. Andrew Van Gogh has been an edge guy and I think he'll, he'll be a hybrid player who can take some snaps off ball, but I think his best work is going to come as, as either a Sam or a will uh, in this defense, which is capable of dropping into zone coverages and also being a pass rush threat. But, if the Dolphins are going to run more penny fronts with one linebacker on the field, I feel the the Dolphins have plenty to play with at, at off ball linebacker. There was a team last year, the Seattle Seahawks, that only rostered three stack linebackers total <laughs> to start the season, and it's because of the safety hybrid types. And having more depth in your secondary and nickels who can tackle and safeties who can drop down and play on the second level. And look, the Dolphins have some of that too between Javon Holland and Brandon Jones and Deshaun Elliott. So I think the subplot here when we're talking about the linebacker room, and of course the, the top four that we're grading, I have David Long as a quality starter. I have Jerome Baker right now as an adequate starter. And I think there is more of a ceiling for Jerome Baker, but. Uh, The the limitations of the other linebackers in the linebacker room, I I think have been a hindrance to Jerome Baker playing the best version of football that he's physically capable of playing specifically last year. And then you have Duke Riley, who I think is a quality depth player and an incomplete evaluation in Channing Tyndall. How does that stack versus the other linebacker groups on the dolphin schedule? Well, as a reminder, we're only looking at the opponents on the schedule. So you have the AFC East, Two games each against the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots. You have the AFC West, which is the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. You have the NFC East, which is the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Commanders, and the Giants. Then you have the two other second-place finishers in the North and the South, which is Baltimore and also Tennessee. And then your oddball NFC opponent was the second-place NFC South opponent, which is the Carolina Panthers. So those 14 teams plus the Dolphins, it's about half the league that's on the list that we're talking about here today on the show. And we're going to start to transition into some of those units that are going to put the Dolphins linebacker room in a pretty good perspective here in just a minute. But before we do, now is the perfect time to take the bat off the shoulder and head over to FanDuel. And swing away with some bets. There's no better place to get in on all of your sports betting action than America's number one sports book FanDuel. Right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet with FanDuel does not hit. How's that for Grand Slam? So don't miss your chance to snag that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Starting with the defending Super Bowl. uh, Not not defending Super Bowl champions. I'm going to save them for last, actually. The defending NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. I my list right here in front of me. Uh, Philadelphia, their top four at stack off ball linebacker. N'Kobe Dean, second-year linebacker from the University of Georgia who played approximately 10 snaps last year, should sound familiar for Dolphins fans uh, as a third-round pick. Channing Tindall, meet N'Kobe Dean, very different players from strengths and weaknesses perspective, yet their profiles are exactly the same. Late day three selection who hardly played last year, probably going to be thrust into a more prominent role. Tyndall is superior athlete. Dean is super high football IQ. Nicholas Morrow, replacement level player. Sean Bradley, replacement level player. Davion Taylor, busted third round pick. uh, Super raw coming out of University of Colorado. Had a track background, can really run. Um, Also, in my mind, a replacement level player. So the Eagles' top four linebackers are three replacement level players. And N'Kobe Dean, that's not to say it's not going to be an effective group, but I certainly think you look at the depth of which Philadelphia has and, and Hassan Reddick being a player who can kind of be a hybrid type linebacker. They didn't care about this position. And they're not the only team that the dolphins are scheduled to face this year. That doesn't care about linebackers. Uh, You look at the Las Vegas Raiders and and some of the Raiders issue uh, is just a lack of talent and resources. Their top four linebackers, Robert Spillane, Divine Diablo, Darian Butler, and Luke Masterson. You've got three incomplete evaluations and a quality depth player. Those are your top four stack off-ball linebackers for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Spillane, kind of a primary special teams guy. He's a starting off-ball linebacker for the Raiders now. Uh, Divine Diablo was a safety at Virginia Tech who they've converted. He's coming into year two. Darian Butler's a second-year player. Masterson's hardly played. Uh, a, a whole bunch of incomplete evaluation, and you're playing in a division that has Travis Kelsey, and the Raiders didn't care to address it. It doesn't mean it's a good group, but it certainly helps put the Dolphins group in better perspective. I'll continue down the list. The Washington Commanders. Uh, these were groups that, in the roster grading exercise that we're doing over Locked on NFL Scouting, were effectively graded as negative or net-zero groups and units as a whole. Washington, they signed Cody Barton in free agency from Seattle. They let Cole Holcomb walk in free agency. They have a first-round pick in Jamin Davis, who has not lived up to his first-round pedigree, and then a couple of replacement-level players in David Mayo and Kaliki Hudson, who are really only special teams guys but are not effective defensive players in any capacity. Cody Barton, Jamin Davis, I mean, there's some athleticism there. I think Cody Barton's an adequate level starter. At least that's a step up over the other two linebacker rooms that we talked about. But even the next name on this list after Washington's, the New York Giants, they spent $10 million per season on Bobby Okereke. it's, it's a good player. I think he's an adequate level starter. But, I mean, that that's a really ugly cost of doing business to sign him for uh, a four-year $40 million contract to get him in the building. Gerard Davis is another first-round pick who has pinballed around a bunch of teams, couldn't make the Detroit Lions roster last year, and Detroit had nothing at linebacker working for him other than a a late-day three rookie in Malcolm Rodriguez. I think he's a replacement-level player, and then you have a couple of young guys who were second-year players who hardly played last year to the same degree in which Channing Tindall did, and Darian Beavers and Micah McFadden. Those are your top four off-ball linebackers for the Giants. So... There's more teams that uh, as well who, who do not grade favorably in comparison to the Dolphins, one of them being Tennessee, who let David Long walk. Uh, Tennessee's group of four is Aziz al who was signed in free agency from San Francisco. Obviously, Rand Carthon is the general manager there, who was a personnel guy with the 49ers. A lot of familiarity. He brought over Daniel Brunskill from San Francisco on the offensive line. He brought over Aziz al at linebacker. Monty Rice... Uh, mid-round draft selection out of Georgia, didn't play uh, much, was hurt. Ben Neiman, career special teams guy and a late D3 draft selection in Chance Campbell I think that, that group in totality, that group of, what is that, five teams, is definitively a group that offers very little proven value. Now, you have some guys with some upside. You have some guys uh, who you have expectations for. But there's a lot of incomplete resumes. There's a lot of special career special teams type players. And again, that's kind of the trend in the league. Teams don't really want to pay for linebackers, and they they certainly don't want to break the bank for linebackers. And I think those rooms give me a better appreciation for the David Long signing, especially because David Long came from Tennessee, one of these groups, And another one of these teams, the Giants, signed a linebacker in Bobby Okereke, who I would have been interested in signing if I were the Dolphins, but certainly not for $10 million per season. You got David Long for almost half the price. And you just got to acknowledge that he's got some hamstring issues that he intermittently deals with (laughs) on seemingly an annual basis. That five is bottom tier for me. Uh, I think the Dolphins are probably a... Uh, middle of the pack, I think there's some some linebacker rooms that I think have a little bit more depth. I think there's certainly a couple linebacker rooms who have more impactful players than what Miami has assembled this year. But all of this discussion around Miami and needing an off-ball linebacker desperately, like I feel pretty good about the one through three, and you got a nice lottery ticket with the fourth guy. I mean, some of these teams don't even have a one. The next tier up for me is teams like Dallas, New England. Los Angeles, Denver, and probably Buffalo. Uh, I'd put Buffalo in that group as well, uh, just because they lost Jermaine Emmons. So let's start with Denver. We'll familiarize ourselves with these teams. Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, rookie Drew Sanders, Jonas Griffith. Uh, Jewell and Singleton are low-ceiling type players. I actually think Singleton surprised me a little bit with with how well he played last year. Uh, But Jewell is a little athletically limited. Singleton is a one-year sample size of Meaningful. I think both of those guys are adequate level starters, however. no, I've already tipped my hand. I think David Long's a quality starter when he's available. But then you have a rookie who who knows what Drew Sanders is going to be for you. He's a a convert from outside linebacker uh, who's playing stack linebacker for just the second year. And Denver has a couple of those guys who some of them still live on the edge like Baron Browning does. So that's a group... That uh, I think has a pretty high floor, but I don't think the ceiling is, is particularly impressive. Dallas has Leighton Vanderesh, whose career is stabilized after some career injuries. I think he's a quality starter. But behind that is lottery ticket after lottery ticket. Now, would you rather have David Long, Jerome Baker, and Duke Riley as your top three, or Leighton Vanderesh, Damon Clark, who was a, a rookie out of LSU last year, and then DeMarvin Overshone, who was a mid round draft pick this year as a rookie? But Van Der Esch is probably the best player out of all these guys, but you go one through three. Miami's in better position in my mind. New England, uh, they've got a couple of really good box linebackers. Uh, Tavai out of Hawaii, who was drafted by Matt Patricia's Detroit Lions and Juwan Bentley are really long, physical thumpers. New England covers themselves for the rest of it by, by going with a lot of safeties on the field. And then they have rookie Marte Mapu, and their third linebacker was scheduled to be Raquan McMillan, but he's injured again, and he at this stage is a replacement-level player. So Tavai and, and Bentley are more athletically limited than David Long and Jerome Baker. I think they're both adequate-level starters with what New England does with their front. Long certainly gives you a different level of impact in coverage than any of the names that, that New England has right now as well. Who am I forgetting? The Chargers. Eric Kendricks coming over in free agency. I think that's a nice addition for them. Um, Kendricks played last year in the uh, Ed Donatel system and now playing with Brandon Staley. So there is some level of familiarity that I, I think sets him up favorably for success. They also drafted Dion Henley. Uh, in the third round of the NFL draft, I believe it was the third round, right? Mind me, I'm talking to myself. Yes, third round. Kenneth Murray, former first-round pick at linebacker, uh, height, weight, speed type guy, really physical. But from a processing play-processing perspective, uh, I don't think the light bulbs come on. It was a big question coming out of Oklahoma. I think the concern is that the light bulbs not going to come on, and they didn't exercise that fifth-year option. So uh, I think Kendricks is probably a leg up on David Long from a resume and skill set perspective. Obviously, he's been as productive as a player as he's been for a very long time in the league. But then you have Kenneth Murray, who I think Jerome Baker's a better player than from an instincts and, and play perspective, even though Murray, I think, is a more dynamic athlete. And a rookie in Dion Henley, who's a little bit of a wild card. I think that that room has some mobility to go up in these rankings when it's all said and done but then you have the bills and the bills are the first team that has a cornerstone linebacker uh, no linebacker room in the nfl has more than one cornerstone linebacker in joe marino is a nice grading of these linebacker rooms but buffalo having matt milano certainly helps but your next three are terrell bernard dorian williams a rookie. Bernard was a rookie last year, and Tyrell Dotson, who's a career special teams guy. So for the conversation around, well, Miami needs a fourth linebacker, you know, okay, what if somebody gets hurt? You got big problems. I would agree with you. But what of these, what of these groups that we've looked at, if Dallas has Leighton Van Der Esch go down or Buffalo has Matt Milano go down, and your three off-ball linebackers are Tyrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, and Tyrell Dotson, you get a lot bigger problems than the Dolphins if one of their two linebackers go down. So again, it just these exercises, uh, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke and tell you that the Dolphins have the best position room in, in every group across the NFL. But I certainly hope that it, it changes some of the perspective and the narrative around the comfort of what Miami has because in many places, not all places, but many places, I think this team is well positioned. Now, we've, done a, we've acknowledged at this point a grand total of with the Dolphins 11 teams. I think the Dolphins are in the next tier up here. I think there's a very definitive uh, one-two pecking order and then three groups that are in tier two, which would include the Miami Dolphins. And we're going to talk about those next here to close on this episode of Locked on Dolphins.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I'll skip the Dolphins. We know the Dolphins group. But we have two linebacker rooms that I think are comparable They are Carolina and New York with the Jets. Carolina, Shaq Thompson, has been a very sturdy, quality starter for a long time. Frankie Louvu last year uh, was a very productive player for Carolina. Now, it's a one-year sample size. We have a a scheme change, so there's a little bit of uh, unfamiliarity on how well that's going to correlate over. But then you have Brandon Smith out of Penn State as a second-year player and Camu Grugier-Hill, who Dolphins fans should be familiar with because he stopped in Miami and then went to Houston and is now with Carolina. I think you've got a quality starter. I think based off of last year's film, you have somebody who was a more productive player uh, in Frankie Luvu You have a ceiling player in Brandon Smith, and you have a quality death piece in Grugier-Hill. I mean, that comps pretty closely in my eyes to what the Dolphins have assembled. The Jets, C.J. Mosley, Quincy Williams are your top two. I would say this. I think C.J. Mosley last year played probably his best ball since coming to New York. Um, I don't want to say he justified the salary that he's at because he's a top-of-market linebacker salary, but I thought he was a quality starter. I think he's a more complete player than David Long, Uh, and then Quincy Williams is really explosive, still a little undisciplined, still a little bit of a wild stallion at times at linebacker, Uh, but I think he's more explosive than Jerome Baker, and I think Jerome, some of Jerome's best stuff has come in rush situations where I think Quincy Williams and his range as a sideline-to-sideline defender and his hitting power I think is a little bit of a leg up. So I think there's some comparableness there. Now, I will say this. I I think the Jets 1 and 2 is more more impactful. But I think the 3 and the 4 go in the Dolphins' favor because you have Hamza nasser Ledeen, who's a safety convert from Florida State, and you have Jamie Sherwood, who's a safety convert from Auburn. And those are linebackers 3 and 4 for the Jets. So I would say the Dolphins have the deeper room where the Jets have a little bit more of a top-heavy room. And I think the Panthers have a similarly well-rounded room to what the Dolphins have. I think those three are kind of bunched together as far as the, you want to quantify how good the best players are, say like Buffalo with Matt Milano, and you try your best to weigh that out versus his impact on the room versus the fourth linebacker's impact on the room. And that's why I, I think you know teams like New York and Buffalo are a little bit more top-heavy in their linebacker rooms. I think Miami has quality and adequate at the top, but they also have a modest amount of depth. They don't, however, I think match up to the top two names on this list, uh, which are the last two opponents that the Dolphins are scheduled to face, starting first with the Baltimore Ravens, trading for Roquan Smith, giving him a $20 million per year contract to go with Patrick Queen as a former first-round pick. They have Malik Harrison, who I, I think is a really likable um, young player in this room. But Roquan is a, a cornerstone player who, you know, there was some interest at this time last year and a little bit later in the counter year. Should Miami go out and get this guy? Should Miami go out and get this guy? And it's kind of a nice reminder. I know that I said no at the time uh, because going out and getting a stack off ball linebacker and paying him $20 million per season with the trajectory of where the dolphins were going um, a little bit of risky business, especially when you consider uh, that the linebacker roles in a Brian Flores defense and Josh Boyer defense was a little redundant, and the argument was, I don't think Roquan Smith is enough of an upgrade over Jerome Baker for you to justify sending premier assets to go get that player and pay that player that contract. Now, the cruel irony, of course, is if you knew that Vic Fangio was coming in year two, you'd probably be a little bit more inclined to say, hey, maybe we make that work. The Dolphins, uh, I think, ended up just fine. They bought at the trade deadline and got Bradley Chubb. They drafted Cam Smith. They have the linebackers that they have. They got David Long for a quarter of the price, almost, of Roquan Smith and didn't have to send any assets to bring him in but that's kind of a fun storyline to look back on because Roquan Smith is his presence is in that of a room which ranks better than the dolphins and I would say he is yes a better player than Jerome Baker and I never question that but the question was is he enough of an upgrade in the role in which Miami needs him to fulfill to justify the contract and we'll see how that plays out for Baltimore you know they they may end up not keeping Patrick Queen as a result of that now too but then they have Trenton Simpson in the third round as, a, as their third, their fourth linebacker, excuse me. So you've got uh, Roquan and Patrick Green with a cornerstone player. I think that's a leg up over what the Dolphins have. Uh, they have a quality depth player, Malik Harrison, and then they have Trenton Simpson as, as kind of the incomplete evaluation player. Uh, so uh, I just think the top of that room probably separates it from Miami. Kansas City is the other team, and Kansas City's here because they've got the deepest one through four of any team, either that the Dolphins themselves have assembled or the teams that the Dolphins are scheduled to play. Nick Bolton quality starter. They've used three day, two picks in the last three years on linebackers, Uh, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay and Leo Chanel. And then they signed drew tranquil who for my money would have been a great addition for the Dolphins, uh, Probably expected him to be in the price range that David Long got as compared to David Long. But Drew Tranquil only got a one-year deal worth a couple million dollars. So I think the league kind of threw some flags out there. I don't know if that's medical related or what with Drew Tranquil. But if you told me Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, and Leo Chennault, that's a heck of a group. And Chennault's kind of in the same boat as Tyndall, where his mid-third-round pick, or late-third-round pick, didn't really play last year. We don't really know what we had. He played like 200 snaps. It's more than Channing played. But uh, Willie Gay, I think, is a fine linebacker. But I think you have two quality starters in Nick Bollinger, tranquil. So that's a pretty vast palette of outcomes that we've painted here. You have uh, the Chiefs with three adequate starters or better plus an incomplete evaluation for a guy who's a third-round pick last year. And then you have Philadelphia, who has a third-round pick last year and a bunch of replacement-level players. So on the spectrum of NFL outcomes with linebacker rooms this year, just in the one through four, I think Miami's in the top third. Now, health and durability is going to be a variable, but it is for all of these teams, and Well, I do think Miami probably benefits from having another contender to come into this roster and and be a quality depth option, but I don't think they have to force anything at linebacker specifically, especially with how many safeties are are playing and and, uh, these big nickel sub-package groups across the NFL these days. That is our latest here on Locked on Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins because it is your team every day. Here on the Locked On Network, I'm Kyle Krabs. I am out of here. Fins up. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow with Power to the Pot, our mailbag for the week.